Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hey, what is up? Welcome to Watershed, uh, part two of our Happily Ever After series. I have the incredible opportunity to talk about love's source today. As I was preparing this talk, I couldn't help but think of rom-coms and love musicals. Uh, One that comes to mind a couple years ago was just filled with a ton of love songs from like the 80s and the 90s. And, And some of those songs that were sung in this musical were songs like, All You Need Is Love, Love Lifts Us Up Where We Belong, and then my personal favorite, And I will always love you. I know, I know, you're probably thinking, Tegan, you need to stop, uh, you know, get a, get a different job. Singing is not for you. I mean, I would, I would probably agree with you. But um, the reality of these musicals and rom-coms is like, if you think about it in the sense of a movie, like two different people falling in love from two different lives, coming together with fireworks and the moon in the background and a, a little bird flying in and placing the ring in his hand to give to her. It's just always in our face, love, love, love. And I think sometimes here, even at church, we can hear things like, hey, Watershed, God loves you. Hey, hey, Watershed, we want you to know how much Jesus loves you. Hey, the cross is all about love. Or even the most famous, hey, you know what we're called to do as Christians? We're called to love God and love our neighbor. But what sometimes happens is we don't really have a bearing for that because though we have all these definitions of love, we need to ultimately go to love source for the truest definition. Uh, For some of us in the room today, we've become numb. We've become numb to hearing this truth that, hey, God loves you. We don't feel it anymore. We don't experience that love. And so instead of just saying, hey, Watershed, God loves you, I wanted to slow down today and talk about not only the action of love, but more importantly, the person who is love. And so that's what I'm going to be doing today. Um, uh, The text on the screen, you're going to see it is from 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. I'm going to read it. I'm going to make some comments about it, ask some questions, and then I'm going to be done. Listen to the text. It's this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. 
Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. As we read this, there's a, there's a few things that I want to point out from this text. The first one is this. The Apostle John is the one who's writing this text. If you don't know who the Apostle John is, he also wrote the Gospel of John. He was one of the disciples. His brother was James. They were known as the Sons of Thunder. But what I really love about John in the Gospel of John, do you know how he refers to himself? He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Imagine you're sitting at a dinner party with all the disciples and you know, hey, what's your name? Hey man, I'm, I'm Peter, I'm a fisherman. Uh, what about you? Matthew, nice to meet you, Matthew. You're, you're a tax collector, that's really cool. Hey, what about you back there in the corner? Well, I'm, I'm the one whom Jesus loved. What? That's how John referred to himself. But I want to ask you, Watershed, how do you refer to yourself? In the context of you and your relationship with God, I want you to pause for a moment and ask yourself, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as one whom Jesus loves? Another thing that's very interesting about this text, he starts off talking to them as beloved. What beloved means Biblically, is it's one who is loved. He's referring to these people in this church. He's referring to them as loved ones, ones who have received a sacrificial and a lavish love, a divine love from God. He's addressing them as ones who are loved, which is hard for us to hear because the very people who he's addressing as loved ones are the very people who don't deserve said love. You know, that's, that's the beauty of the gospel, right? Is that when God sees us and speaks to us, he calls us beloved. We are loved ones. You look through this text, you see some other phrases like, let us love one another. Listen, we are called to, as believers, to love one another. Emilio spoke about that last week, and we're going to be hitting on it throughout the series. But here's what I want to communicate, is that this love is not an obligation, but it's an overflow. This love is not a work, but a fruit. This love is not law but it's a gift. This love is not a need, but a desire. You see, the people that are hearing this message are ones who have received this great love. Nobody is going, well, what do we do with this? You know, they know and understand how greatly loved they are. And when, when John is saying, hey, let us love one another, they're not giving any pushback. They're going, Oh my gosh, we've been so loved. We've been loved with a lavish, over-the-top kind of love. I cannot keep this to myself. I need to go and love others. But if anybody had to say, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't necessarily think that my job is to love people. Like I love God. I, I, I love Jesus. I have a relationship with God. But I don't 
feel like I need to love others. That's not my role. That's not my responsibility. John actually answers that obligation by saying this, for love is from God and whoever loves is born of God. John is expressing that the true ultimate sacrificial laying yourself down kind of love is from God. And if you know him and are born of God, then love is not something that just happens. It just comes out of us. It is because we are filled with the spirit. We are changed and transformed. And because we've received from God, we can't help but give it away. You see, this kind of love proves that one knows and is in relationship with God. And because of that, we are called to love people regardless of what they've done, who they are, how far they've fallen. Why? Because it's that same love that you and I have received from God. The, the verse continues and it says, Anyone who does not love God does not know God. Why? How can John say this? How can John make a very strong statement saying, if one doesn't love, then they don't know God? Surely you can avoid serving and loving? Absolutely not. Here's why. John answers the question, God is love. He is the source of love. He is the fountain, the author, the creator, the giver, the commander of love. He is the very wellspring of love. If people are connected to the God who is love, this people will be marked by and defined by and ultimately dispenses of this kind of love. Love is not something that God does Love is who God is. Love is not an activity for God. Love is His very nature. Listen, God is love, but I want you to hear this. Love is not God. Love and its biblical definition submits to who God is. God does not submit to some created man-made definition of love because we often allow these man-made definitions of love to impose on God. And we see God through that false lens you see, what we need to do is because God has already revealed himself to us, we don't define God and his love. He in and of himself defines who he is and what that love looks like. So if you, go, if you don't get anything else today, Watershed, I want you to hear this. If God is God and he self-defines who he is and how he is, then he must be the source of the truest definition of love. A biblical definition of, go, of love begins with God, not with us. And we can see this in relationship between God the Son and God the Father. Their love, their relationship is the same love that you and I receive. God does who He is. But hang on, Tegan. What about God being holy and righteous and, and filled with wrath and Him being powerful? 100% God is all of His attributes perfectly, eternally, all the time. But what comes most naturally to God? How has God disclosed Himself? How has God revealed Himself to us? 
in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 to 7, in a conversation with Moses, listen how God defines himself. This is not an imposing definition. This is not a definition through a lens. This is how God reveals himself to Moses. Listen to what he says. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. If God never changes, and if God was the same in the Old Testament as He is in the New Testament, and if He never changes, then today that is still a correct representation of who God is. And so one thing that we need to make sure that we understand is that if God is love, what does that love look like practically? John answers that in saying this, In this the love of God was made manifest amongst us. Did you know that the, in the sending of Jesus, God displayed His love for us? Two times in this text is the mention of God sending His Son to earth. God sending His Son to die on the cross, to be cursed by God, to be stricken by sin, to take our punishment on Himself, to absorb the fullness of God's wrath. In God sending Jesus was God declaring His love for the world. And I'm going to say it, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. You see, in the sending of Jesus, God wasn't saying, if I send Jesus, then I can love them. The reality is, and, and I want you to hear this, and I, I need to hear this too, is that God loved us, so He sent Jesus. Do you see the difference? One is, God sent Jesus so that He can love us. And the other is, God sent Jesus because He loves us. We have, the, the, the scripture goes on to say, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. You see, the beautiful thing about the gospel, this, this idea of love coming from God because love is who God is. It's an overflow of His nature. It literally comes from His very nature and character. The beautiful reality is that God just didn't just stand in heaven and say, hey, I love you. Good luck, you kind of got this. No, no, no. He came and manifest himself. He came and put himself in our place for our sins. He lived amongst us, lived the perfect life, died in our place, took all of our sin, all of the wrath that you and I deserve. Because remember, you and I have lived a life that removes us from deserving God's love. Think about it. We've lived a life that completely puts us in a place. What we deserve is death and destruction. But Jesus willingly, willingly takes it on himself. He is the manifest love of God as a person on earth. Listen to what Romans 5, 8 says. But God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Ephesians 3 verse 17 to 19 says, So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Did you know to be filled with the fullness of God is to truly understand God's love for you? So, so Watershed, I have, I have some questions that I want to throw to you, just some st stuff that I want you to consider. And I think this is so important because we often miss this. But here are the questions that I want you to consider. Is where are you turning for love right now? What would it look like if you let God love you? What is getting in the way of letting God love you. And what would the world look like if we loved like God loves? I have an excerpt here from something that John Piper wrote a couple years ago, and I think it's so profound, and we just kind of need to jump on it. It's, it's taking the idea of if God is God, how can God is God being holy, just, righteous, beautiful, and powerful also be a God of love? And how do these two ideas work together and so I'm just going to read this and then I'm going to pray in the truth that God is God is implied that God is who he is in all glorious attributes and self-sufficiency but in the truth that God is love is implied that all of his glory is moving our way for everlasting enjoyment now those two truths unleash through the Bible very different impulses and we will see that the, the balance is introduced here, lest we make Christianity an elitist affair, which it definitely is not. That God is love unleashes the impulse of simplicity, and that God is God unleashes the impulse of complexity. That God is love and unleashes an impulse of accessibility, and that God is God unleashes the impulse of profundity. That God is love encourages a focus on the basics and that God is God encourages a focus on the comprehensiveness. One says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And the other says, I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. That God is love impels us to be sure that the truth gets to all people and that God is God impels us to be sure that what gets to all people is the truth. That God is love unleashes the impulse towards fellowship and that God is God unleashes the impulse towards scholarship. That God is love tends to create extroverts and evangelists and that God is God tends to create introverts and mystics. The beautiful reality that we get to learn today is that instead of living, trying to love with a broken view of love through the wrong lens, we get to go back to the source. We get to go back to the very source of who love is, what love is, and that source is God. And we see it most beautifully in God sending His Son to rescue you and I. That is the beautiful picture of this gospel love. He is the source and he manifests himself in his rescue of us. So will you make a decision today to love like God loves? As beloved children of God, let us love like the God who is love. We love you guys. Have a great time in D-Groups.
peace.